everyone, and welcome to Industrial Theory. I'm so excited to bring a different type of guest to you today. I know we usually talk with people from the industrial cleaning industry, but when I met John DeJulius, I knew I had to have him on my podcast. He is uh, an inspiring leader and an authority on how to deliver world-class customer service. He is the Chief Revolution Officer and President of the DeJulius Group, uh, which is a consulting company that helps corporate America and other types of organizations create outstanding customer service and deliver an exceptional customer experience. And I know that's something that you're all very interested in, much like I am. John has been working with companies such as the Ritz-Carlton, Lexus, Starbucks, Nordstrom's, Panera Bread, Nestle, Marriott, and the list goes on and on, helping them raise the bar and set the standard in service that consistently exceeds customer expectations. John is such a funny guy and so personable. I think you'll really enjoy this show. So sit tight. We'll be right back and you'll get to meet John. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so excited for you to meet my guest, John DeJulius. John, tell us about you. How did you become a guru, uh, an authority on creating world-class customer service? Hi, Carrie. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, all by accident, I, I, we started our first business almost 30 years ago, a little, a 900-square-foot salon. And... Um, we had the four, three no's, no money, no customers, and no employees. But in every direction, there was, uh, you know, salons everywhere. And we couldn't outspend, out-advertise, out-build. So the one thing that wasn't uh, too uh, prevalent in that industry, or maybe any industry back in the uh, early 90s, was customer experience. So we wanted to build a, an exceptional customer experience, but not um to be the best customer experience in the in the beauty industry because as you know and, and this applies to s most businesses if you came in and got your haircut by us today you then didn't leave and go across the street to our nearest competitor to compare right you wouldn't need a a, a salon for a few more weeks or, or or maybe you know months but you would go to the dentist or shopping or what you know uh, lunch and we always we wanted to be a Disney hangover. We wanted every every uh, um, experience after that to pale in comparison. So that started working for us in the early mid '90s, and then people just started asking me to speak, and um, you know did it more because I was flattered that someone wanted to hear our story. And then every time I spoke, um, it led to you know a couple more speaking engagements until 2002. Uh, my first book came out, and um, after that came out, it took me from a salon owner that spoke a little bit to a speaker that owns salons. And then pretty much since then, I haven't been in the salon industry and, you know, just uh, speaking and consulting and customer service. I love that because going to get my hair done is like my favorite thing to do. Yeah. It's so good. And when it's bad and you start to get nervous and it's just like rushed, it's so awful. So what a great way to experiment uh, on how to create something that was exceptional. What was one of the key takeaways um, in that experience that you now speak about? Um, you know, there's a lot, but, um, you know, really being the best part of a guest day understanding uh and it, again it applies to every business but understanding that carrie my next client let's say guest what was going on in her day right kids screaming um you know had to get people off to work in in, in, in school and you know now you have to do deal with traffic and client your own clients and you know demanding bosses and whatever and so, you know, you're giving and giving and giving, and, and we might be the only thing that gives to you. And what you're trying to do, which we're all trying to do, is be super woman and super man. And so, you know, in that space, we had to, you know, try to give you that for an hour so you can go back on and be that. So it was so much more than just a haircut or a manicure or a facial, it was the connection. It was knowing Carrie and what she did and you know what her hobbies were and all those things. So um, then translating that to any business, it, it applies to every business. The biggest thing was um, what we could be guilty of in, in, in the salon business is looking at 
Carrie, not as Carrie, but as my 1030, my yeah. fifth haircut of the day, my third last one till I can get the hell out of here and be off for the weekend, right? Now, what did we just do? We cheated you. Go to speaking or consulting. And in normal times, I could be looking at, you know, my keynote in Nashville uh, versus realizing how much that client has invested in me and brought all his leaders together. And if I don't deliver, you know, what the ramifications are. So, you know, taking the transactional side from it and, and realizing the impact that we could have if we bring our A game. Yeah, I like that because most of us are looking for that connection, right? That's what you're talking about is how do I connect with my clients, my customers to make their experience um, valuable and worthy of talking about to others. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your book. Um, I just got done reading The Relationship Economy, a signed copy by you yourself <laughs> uh, that I got after the uh, 2018 uh, CEO Coaching International CEO Summit. Tell me what inspired you to write that, especially after your first book. Um, so I, you know, it, 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 uh, um, it's just the times, right? Uh, today's illiterate are those who have an inability to make a, a meaningful connection, right? And that's so sad. So the digital age, you know, I don't have to tell you, I don't have to tell anybody, has exponentially, ex exponentially you know, uh, made our lives easier. Uh, but it's come at a significant cost. And that cost is human connections, which are vital to, um, you know, customer satisfaction, employee fulfillment, and just personal happiness. So while uh, technology is not the enemy, um, using it exclusively with your clients is. And so, uh, you know, we, we're, we're living in the touchscreen age. And the touchscreen age is not generational specific, right? We have grandparents using devices and we have six-year-olds using devices. And so for, for you know, my generation and older, the, we were brought up in the old way of building relationships. We've declined. Our people skills have declined because we're texting and, and, and doing all that. And, and, and then you have, you know, the millennials and Zs who are relationship disadvantaged at no fault of their own. They never were there. So, you know, all that, you know, the pendulum has swung so far over to high tech, no touch that the companies that, you know, focus on the human, the human interaction, combine it with the technology are really building, you know, are really benefiting. Yeah. So I think that's a, a perfect example of what you talk about in your humanizing the future chapter. And it's something that's been on my mind a lot because my whole business has changed. I have a very like 1980s way of selling of you take your sample to your customer and you talk about yeah. it. We're selling, you know, tactical or high, da uh, very dangerous type products that need a lot of explaining to do uh, to sell it. But all of that's changed. And so I'm figuring out what does this look like in this new world? And so now that we're all afraid of each other, which, you know, is like half joking, half not. But how how do we take this idea of relationship building when now we have to maybe put more distance and more technology between us and our clients? So I actually think, uh, you know, well, I miss face to face and you can't replicate that. I think virtual is actually easier in some ways because we've, we've gone from, um, you know, conference calls to Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. So I love Zoom calls because I see you, right? Versus just hearing your voice. A voice is a voice, there's not a, but you're, you're, you're pretty, you, you laugh at my silly jokes. I can see some, you know, stuff behind you. And, you know, typically when you're communicating, you might be able to see a diploma or a, a, a beach with kids. And, you know, that's all, Great. Um, I, I say we got to find the conversation gift in all our and all our, our our conversations. So you know we focus on Ford, family, occupation, recreation, and dreams, and we document it. And you know you went to you know Colorado Mines. Is that it? 
Colorado, yeah, Colorado School of Mines, yeah, engineering yeah, yeah, school. Yeah, right. You live in uh-huh. Colorado, and you know, um, you're in YPO. So you're, you're a wife, you're an athlete. You know, you, you you get all that, and then you know, you can make more of an emotional connection. You find out um, uh, uh, family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. So, you know, Carrie, what are you, what, what is your you know y- y- your bio says athlete on LinkedIn? What type of uh, athletics are you into? Mountain biking, particularly right now. <laughs> okay, good, right? And, yeah. you know, you're probably extremely passionate about it. And if it was, you know, if you weren't interviewing me and we were having, I would, you know, pick your brain about mountain biking and you'd probably love it because you're passionate about it. You tell me everything about it and, and you know, all that stuff. So, you know, that's, that's versus just chop, chop. And right. I, I really think, um, you know, so finding the conversation gifts, um, means that after we hang up from a call, there's always a gift. It might be a, a, a link to an article, you know, of a topic we were talking about or a video, or I might, you know, we might have been talking about something. I said, oh my God, that reminds me of this book. And you said, oh, I never read it. Boom, I'm sending you that book. Or yeah. um, uh, the best restaurants in the city you're going to next week on vacation. You know, those are the conversation gifts that really then stand out to like, wow, like that was really cool. I don't remember telling him we were going to, you know, Naples or whatever. Yeah, I like that because it shows that you're listening and that you care and that you're invested more deeply than just a, a transaction. And everybody wants to feel that way. Everybody wants to be yeah. seen and heard. And and I agree with you on the Zoom conversations. I've had more meaningful conversations with people on Zoom than I ever did in my office because I'm here. I'm right here. I'm talking to you and I don't have like 50 other things going on and we're like equal, right? Yeah. Really close like this. And I found that I've had more in-depth conversations on Zoom, even though I get Zoom fatigue yep. uh, by the end of the day. But it's uh, it's been interesting to see how relationships have developed despite not being able to see people face to face. So, and if I'm, uh, I'm not on Zoom, uh, we've been on Zoom, you know, even conference calls for three years. And the reason why we have been is because if I'm just on a, a my my cell with you, I'll start multitasking, and you know, that's dangerous, right? I'm not paying attention. Uh, yes. But, you know, even when we first got on, you told me you liked the color of my shirt, right? And that did that. I was like, oh, wow, I made the right decision this morning, right? That little thing, right? We wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to give me that compliment had we been, you know, so you reinforce like, and I always say this, right? When you see someone, you know, find something to compliment, love your hair, love, you know, the, 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 the ring you have, because, you know, we're all the same creatures, right? In normal times when we get dressed up for work, right? I, 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 everyone, I do this, I'll, I'll admit it. I'll pick up my outfit the night before. Then in the morning, I'm second guessing it. Then I'll go bug my fiance and say, is this jacket go better or does this? And, and, and she'll be like, you know, she'll just, you know, you know whatever. She's, you know, it's silly. <laughs> But then when someone compliments you, you're like, yes, I made the Nailed right it. <laughs> and so that's why, you know, one of our always is, you know, say something, compliment them. If it's a fat, love your shoes, love the tie, love the, you know, whatever. And that just makes them feel so good. I, I'm with you. So I did this uh, interesting challenge. I read it in a book. What was it? Oh, The Motivation Myth. Great book. And the author was talking about his, uh, he's an introvert and he really wanted to connect with people. So every day for a week, he went out and whoever he made eye contact he had to, with, he had to give a compliment to. And it was the most difficult thing for him. And it's a very funny um, chapter of the book, as you can imagine, as he's trying to think of like, you know, how does this not come across as inappropriate? But it was this life-changing experience that he had with connections that he made with strangers by giving a genuine compliment. And I want to try that sometime because I think that it could. And and you're also doing good in the world, right? It's not just about building relationships and connecting with people. Like if you walk away, people walk away feeling better. And I think we could all use that right now. A thousand percent. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Motivation myths. It's a a motivation myth. It's a great book. Uh, If you go to my website, you can see I did a book review on it. It's fantastic. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, businesses today because I think most leaders who are listening to this are 
all trying to figure out, you know, do I need to pivot? How do I survive? How do I thrive coming out of, uh, of the pandemic? So what are some of the fastest growing businesses today and how are they using this idea of building relationships and driving the relationship economy to grow? Well, you know, COVID is not uh, changing the future, it's accelerating it. And so, and the businesses that don't realize that, you know, are, are, are you know, there's, there's going to be a, a, a significant business mortality rate as a result. And we can't be stubborn about our business model. And a lot of people are. And, you know, you go back to the uh, age old example that when Blockbuster was at their height, the CEO went to the board um, of Blockbuster and said, listen, there's this uh, little company called Netflix that's doing the subscription thing. We should consider it. And they, you know, they shot it down because 12% of Blockbuster's revenue is from late fees, right? Yep. And so that's the same thing. So like, you know, things are never coming back, a lot of things. So let's talk about uh, meta healthcare and education and office space, right? Uh, healthcare, um, over 90% of people who contracted COVID were diagnosed and treated, cured without ever going to the hospital or stepping foot into the doctor's office. So I mean, I like that. The future of that is in telemedicine, um, but a lot of people won't embrace that. Um, education, uh, you know, a prestigious four-year degree does not have the less luster and the expense and the time. And Google has gotten into the education business, higher learning, and now they're offering specific, um, you know, licensing and certificate programs that take six months. And Apple and Amazon are going to get into that. And, you know, now people can pivot, you know, and change careers without having to invest, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and years of their life. And office space, you look at office space and, you know, a lot of people realize we don't need these, you know, people are just as productive from, from home. Um, and, and so, you know, we, th th that probably won't come back now. Uh, also, employees, young employees, well, any of us, don't have to move to Silicon Valley, New York, or LA, but they could still work for those same companies, but they could do it from Omaha or Milwaukee, and, and where the money goes further and their family or friends are. But there are unintended consequences. Um, if you work from home, right, you have Zoom fatigue. Uh, we have to worry about uh, in presentations to clients or staff, the multitasking, you know, right now you could be looking at your Facebook uh, page and I wouldn't know if you had it, you know, in front of the, 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 the Zoom, right? And, and those are things that, that are happening and keeping your attention as my employee or my client or whatever that may be, um, you know, and teaching employees how to, um, you know, move around, take more break, more shorter breaks. So there's a lot of that. But I think that the biggest thing that we have to, you know, a couple things is, is we have to be, uh, the first thing is we have to address um, the mental health of ourselves and of our, of our employees and our customers. Um, you know, Uncertainty. The biggest anxiety is uncertainty, and, and that's all the pandemic is, is uncertainty, which now puts people on edge. Um, they're irrational. They may blow up at something that they wouldn't have in the past. And we're like, whoa, whoa, well, you know, expect that. Yep. We have to, you know, we have to be there for our employees and help them with empathy fatigue and burnout. Um and all those things. And then we also have to um, be an escape for ourselves and for the people we come in contact with. So how do you be an escape? Well, you know, the number one attitude hack and, and be escape is to stop talking about the shit. And it's hard, right? It is. Everyone wants to talk about it. everyone you come in contact with, I come in contact, customers, coworkers, family members, ourselves, we, we, you know, what's going on, oh, you know, so, so how do you stop, how do you stop talking about when that's all anyone wants to talk about? Don't let them. And, and so uh, an example is most times we say, you know, if you're, if I'm familiar with an acquaintance, Hey, Carrie, how are you? Bad question to ask. Right. That's an opening. 
versus say, Carrie, tell me something good. And you know, you think and you're like, oh, I just had the best bike ride this morning, kick ass, personal record, you know, whatever. And and now we're talking about that. We're talking about, you know, mountain bike riding. We're talking about fitness. And it went to a totally different direction. And you feel better. I feel better. And, you know, so I, I think that's really key is we have to focus on being an escape for ourselves yeah. and for the people we come in contact with um, and, and, and not let them and not let ourselves go there. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I worry about my employees. Hold on. Sorry. I have weird thing coming back in here. Okay. Can you say something so I can make sure I hear Okay. Good. Sorry about that. That's okay. All right. Yeah. I worry about that with my employees too. We're dispersed all over the world and everybody's in a little bit of a different situation. And, and so we're trying to figure out ways that, and, and our culture is very much about being together. I mean, we fly everybody from around the world here to Durango and that's all changed now. And so how do we still continue to care for each other and give that escape and keep our culture and all of those things in this and show up to the world, to our customers as being a company they can rely on um, throughout all of this. And so that's been like the key, that's been one of my key focuses is my, the mental health and well-being of my employees. And then how is that translating to how we're taking care of our customers? Because they're all going through the same thing. You missed thing one too. step there. Okay. Yeah, tell me. Employees two, two customers three, ourselves first, right? Yeah. And, and we could become these you know, macho warriors and this isn't affecting me, but then, you know, we, we could become sick. And, and so we got to make sure we're taking care of ourselves and not doom scrolling and doom surfing yeah. and getting addicted to the sensationalism and all these things. And, you know, positivity and, and listening to the great podcast and, you know, the, 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 you know, you know, videos and webinars and all these things that keep us pumped up versus, you know, the opposite of, of, oh my God, humanity sucks. The racial unrest, political divide, you know, all this stuff starts making us feel like, you know, it's getting worse and it's not. Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent point. I just had one of my employees, we do quarterly performance reviews and, and we ask a question about well-being. And he said, I'm really struggling with happiness. And I feel bad saying this. And this was one of my executive team members. And I was like, it's okay. The first step is acknowledging it. Like, this is hard. Great. Now, how do you find the small wins? And how do you be forgiving with yourself when you have a bad day? Like, there are some days that I just want to, like, throw my hands up and this is just too hard. I don't want to do it anymore. And then I go out for a bike ride and I do get a massage and I do all of those, you know, all those personal care things, those, those well-being activities that are important to me so that I can recharge. So I think it's, I think that's a really good point that it's okay to be like, this sucks right now, but not to get sucked down into it and say, here are the things that I'm going to do each day that will help me stay focused on the good things in my life and what I'm grateful for. And, you know, really look at it as like, you know, Self-care is a discipline, not a luxury. Right. <laughs> and, and the other and thing to your, your earlier question is we have to replicate the Keurig conversations, right? Which, yeah. you know, used to be called water cooler conversations, right? Yeah. And we don't have that where, you know, maybe we're both working at the same office and, you know, maybe you're in your office or cube and I'm in my, but we bump into each other, we're getting coffee. And then, you know, you know, you're working on a project and I'm like, oh, I could totally help you with that, whatever that may look like. So, you know, I think as leaders, we have to, you know, measure our talk time with our employees, but not just Zoom scheduled meetings with everyone, because that doesn't count, right? Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the one-on-one -on -one or the happy hour, non-structured no agenda where, you know, those conversations can perk up, whether it's one-on-one -on -one that like you had with someone saying, you know, he wouldn't have probably admitted that on a company meeting, but the one-on-one -on -one, he says, you know, Carrie, I'm really struggling. That's the thing we have to give the opportunities to. Um, and those are the curate conversations that we have to replicate. I agree. I agree with you completely. One of the things that you talk about in your book, and and I think is pertinent to this conversation, is a lot of these. Um, a lot of companies are really thinking about time saving. Like, how do I help 
companies who are figuring out how to work remotely and they need to be able to be efficient and still make these connections. Like, how do you see that really changing the way that we work? A lot of these new applications and, and technologies that are coming out that are helping us save time. Do you think that will help us be able to dig deeper with these types of relationships? Like, where do you see that going? So it depends. Um, the answer is both ways. Um, for well, the majority worse, um, and then minority, uh, the good companies will use, what you need to do is marry the digital with the human, where you use artificial intelligence to do the manual tasks, freeing up your people to do the, the, the relationship building. Um, so I say, you know, enemy uh, technology is not the enemy using it to, you know, to, you know, be the experience only is. And so there's a, a company in, in Canada, Fido Wireless, it's like uh, the Verizon, um, and they're forcing their customers to use their self-service um, channels uh, to the point that if you want to call up for support or a question about your bill, they charge your account $10, right? And so there's there's an, a generation that just doesn't know how to use, you know, that technology. And then there's younger ones that we've just hit a wall on your website where I can't get the answer. I need to, you know, find out why you're billing me for this or why my phone isn't working. So that's pissing off a lot of people. Um, so have, you know, the, the, the chat bots, and stuff where if it's just, I go to your website, I'm looking, it pops up and I say, where, boom, it tells me, great, I didn't need you, like like Apple. So 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 when I needed my computer fixed, um, you know, the last thing I wanna do is call and wait. I went online and booked it at my Apple store. It had to be within, you know, 45 seconds, right? They gave me, gave me the first opening, it worked for me, booked it, you know, Thursday at 3.45. I love yeah. that. Right. Yeah. It took me 45 seconds. But then when I got in, I talked to a genius, told him all about how, you know, my world's going to end if he doesn't fit. That was great, too. You know, I got a human being that, you know, fixed it, walked me through it, answered some other questions. I couldn't be happier. I don't want to sit on hold and get someone in the queue and ask me all these questions when all the things I could answer within seconds. Yeah, I love that. I think that's what we're trying to do with our overall customer experience. It's we want to give our customers the opportunity to interact with us however they choose. And it's a mix of digital and in-person. I want to be able to go to your website and get everything that I need that I can get from a website. And then when I have a real problem, I want to pick up the phone and say, why isn't this working? Or I'm in a jam. Can you help me yeah. out here and get somebody who knows what they're talking about. And so I think that is, you know, the future is the, is the marriage. The between marriage right. And not the, someone the that only has three minutes allowed with your call time, because listen, you know, that might, you know, you might need more than three minutes for your support problem. Absolutely. I think that whole idea of giving your customers what they not want, they want uh, in a frictionless way as possible is really important. And for those who need the high touch um, in person, great, give them that. Those who want to just interact with your website and get everything they need, great, give them that. And uh, and really set your organization up to to serve that those multitude multitude of needs rather than trying to pigeonhole. And that's everything exactly what the relationship economy is. Is taking both and utilizing it to save time in, in, in areas that are ma manual, you know, easy, uh, mundane, and then give more time where the person needs it and the emotional connection and loyalty be can, can be created. Yeah, I love it. So I do Nordstrom's uh, trunk, which I love, especially now because yeah. <laughs> I don't go anywhere near. I live in Durango. There's no Nordstrom's right. nearby. And I love it because I can... Uh, do everything on their website, but they're, they have that very personal concierge service like they do in their stores on their website. So I just communicate with my stylist all the time awesome. and just basically like, well, I'm working from home. So all I need are casual things, but send me this, this, and this. And she tells me that she sends me ideas and it's, but it's all digital and all virtual, but, but I still feel like I'm being taken care of. Exactly. Personalized to you. She knows you're yeah. not going to wear this or your style isn't this. Love it. Exactly. And then she's like, hey, by the way, 
when things open up, look at this cute new black dress. Are you sure you don't want this now? And I was like, don't torture me. You know, she's making that like funny personal connection. It's just, it's a brilliant way to do things in the middle of a, of a pandemic when people aren't coming into stores to really figure out like, how can I reach out and give you what you need? It's a, it's a great example of, of the marriage of the two, even though there's never, I've never talked to her, you know, but I know that she's not a bot. (laughs) And that's important, right? It is. I don't want to just talk to a chat bot. Right. So anyway, I think that they're doing a great job. <laughs> a great I mean, job Nordstrom's, I mean, they've all, they, they are always um, on with it and using the technology to make our lives easier as well. Yeah, for sure. So tell me about uh, how, what advice would you give to uh, leaders, to businesses who are wanting to build a deeper connection with their customers, but haven't done that so far? You know, how, how's the, the process go? How do you start with them? You know, you got to teach your employees when, you know, the customer they're serving, what they have going on. Um, empathy, curiosity, being a great listener. If you, if you ask a question and don't ask two to three follow-up questions, odds are you weren't listening. So you want to have like a four to one ratio of questions asked versus answered, Um, you know, authenticity. And you got to love people. That's of the of the five relationship building techniques. I believe that's the one you can't teach. So you have to look for in your interview process. Mm -hmm. I know for a fact from from my own experiences to, you know, having hundreds of employees, you can teach that. Uh, all the other four. But if you don't genuinely enjoy people, all the training in the world isn't going to change that. So you, there's ways to look for that on the interview process. And what do you do? What's, uh, how do you make sure that you get somebody on your team who loves people? What are the questions you ask? So, you know, my, my, the first thing I say is, is you got to make your interview process ungameable. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is most intelligent candidates who are applying, you know, anyone can, you know, put on an act for an hour and most interview questions are the same. Tell me two drawbacks. Oh, well, I'm a perfectionist and a workaholic. Bam, I nailed that, right? So, you know, having a few, you know, several things. So so one of the things that, that you know, we've learned from the best is on our first round of interviews, we have group interviews. Okay. And so we're going to, you know, six people and we're going to say, all right, you know, Carrie, I'm going to start with you. Tell me a time when you went above and beyond for a customer. All right. Then we're going to go to Jimmy and Susie. And so what the candidates think they're being judged on is who has the best answer. But what we're looking at is what Carrie does when the other people are answering. And is Carrie checked out fidgety, you know, or is she looking at them, smiling and, and making them feel, you know, that's who we want. Um, yeah. The CEO of uh, Charles Schwab, Walt Bettinger, when it's a senior leader uh, uh, candidate, he takes them to breakfast. What the candidate doesn't know is he has prearranged for the restaurant to screw up your order. And, you know, to see your character and how you are under pressure, you'd never know that. So you ask for, you know, uh, scrambled eggs and you get French toast or whatever. And, you know, so the wrong order test is really a good way to see how people act and and, and their character. So there's a lot of good things like that. I have several other examples, but just those are things that you don't realize you're being judged on but your true, you know, characteristics do come out. I love that first example you gave. So at Stone Age, we're an employee-owned company, and part of our like our culture is based around what we call the own it mindset. And uh, and the number one principle is be a great teamie, and that is be humble, be motivated, and be a relationship builder. And so I think that whole idea of um, of sitting around and having to listen to other people when you're being the one who's interviewed, you can really see where does the humility come in and where does the motivation come in and where does the relationship building come in? I am totally going to steal that. Well, and let's it's, say it's a, a perfect example happens, you know, uh, young 21 year old Carrie is there and she's nervous and she answers a question. She says something funny or self-deprecating and you look yeah. at everyone else 
and people don't get it because they weren't listening. They yeah. care. Or, you know, there's a young girl next to you that is laughing and, and smiling and she makes you feel so good. And she doesn't see herself as the competition. She just genuinely enjoyed, you know, your answer. Bam. Yeah. I know who I'm hiring. Yeah. I love it. I think that's great. Yeah. And what you said about uh, asking question really, really resonates with me too. Uh, I love interviewing. I love question asking questions. Um, it's fascinating what you can find out about people yeah. if you just ask. But that's a, an interesting thing that I've tried to teach people. Or how do you figure out the right way to ask a question that gets people to tell you what you want? So people tell me my superpowers. I get people to tell them things. Well, no, I don't. I just ask questions. Then they teach me how to ask those types of questions. And and I don't know how to do that. I don't know. You do what it. The, I do it, but I don't know how to teach it. So One of the myths how, I learned from the research um, and there was a lot of myths to being a great listener was don't be a sponge, be a trampoline. And so most people think being a sponge is being a good listener where you let the other person talk for as long as they need to. And once in a while you give them an aha. And they say that's not being a good listener. Um, being a good listener is being a trampoline where you're asking clarifying questions, heightening their energy and the depth that they're going. So clarifying questions is mountain biking how'd you get into that and you know what and you know tell me is that a good workout you know and 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 you know these aren't all right at the same time but you know wherever you're going now you're going to tell oh my god i got into it because you know my parents or whatever and you're going to tell me that backstory which is also telling me a lot about your childhood or whatever and then you you know you might be into competitive mountain biking or this and say, you know, you know, I, I've tried running, but you know, it really hurts my knees. How's mountain biking? Oh my God. You know, and, 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 and those more clarifying questions of why, how, what made you come up? How, what, why mountain biking? Right. And, and those are usually, you know, if you ask me about my hot spots, I like love you for it. Like, you know, you're like, yeah. you know, give, you know, I love when people want, you know, me to talk more about my, me, right? And <laughs> right. so, you know, it, it, it's easy just to, you know, kind of just clarifying questions. Why, how, how'd you come up? Tell me what that really looks like. And they can't believe that, you know, you actually want to know. Yeah, I think I like that idea of the trampoline. Uh, I think that's a good analogy to be able to bounce back and forth because that's exactly what it is. And you find little ways to connect. And this reminds me of this. Tell me more. So uh, I'm going to utilize that. I always use the how, what, when, where, why to start with that. Uh, but I, I don't know if, if people are fully understanding the power of asking good questions. And it is a superpower if you can do it well. And it's worthy of practicing and, and honing that skill because it definitely allows you to build deeper connections with people. So I'm going to keep working on my um, ability to, to teach people well, that because working, especially when people are telling you it is your superpower. <laughs> they hate me for it. They're like, I came into your office and I was not going to tell you this. Yeah. And the next thing I know is you're telling me. But I think the other trick is it's you've got to be paying attention. You have to be watching body A language thousand. and eye contact. Yeah. And, you know, I just I had it happen today uh, as I was talking to somebody. I said, you know, you seem a little bit off, like not your normal self. And it was on Zoom. Right. So it's not even the in-person energy that you can feel what's going on. And I just, you pull at that thread a little bit. And the next thing you know, I got some really insightful information about her and something that was going on in the organization. So you have to pay attention and be willing to, I think, pull that thread to then get people to start to open up and share, you know, what's go really going on with them. All right, let's pivot a little bit and get back to talking about businesses. Uh, so I love building brands. Uh, that's something that I try to do with all the companies that I run and my personal brand. And I know that's something that, that you really believe in too. So how can leaders build a brand that people cannot live without? That's because I want to know. I want to be that brand. Yeah. <laughs> so know, tell me tell me the secrets. Yeah. We've, been we've been talking about, you know, the, the biggest thing in today's world is, is make them feel something like feel, you know, and, and that, you know, goes with, you know, probably first being a, a, a brand employees, you know, can't live without. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, then, you know, when you have that, you, they start building that to the customers, um, you know, being a, a trusted partner. Um, you know, I, I say it, 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 you, you want to, um, is, is your clients, are you in their foxhole? Yeah. And so the, the, the metaphoric foxhole is that let's say the CEO of, of, of your, you know, your client that you service, you know, they, they have a, a, a foxhole that only has two or three spots for their business vendors. Um, do you have a spot assured or do they say, you know, screw that I can, you know, get someone cheaper, right? And so how you become a, a, a partner they can't live without is that, you know, they, they don't find anyone smarter at what you do than you. Um, you, you know their needs and, and their goals, you know, even unrelated to what you service, right? And, and whatever their, their goal was in January, it certainly changed already. So knowing that, you know, you as my client, your goal for your business this year is, or this next six months is, and, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Carrie, I got the perfect person to introduce you to. Yeah, I love that too. And I love how you bring in the the whole employee experience. I think that is such an important, um, you know, they have to be entwined, the employee experience and the customer experience, I think to deliver that exceptional value and to be that kind of brand. And one of the things that I help uh, that we have going on at, at, at my company is we talk about whenever in, at one of our customers comes to visit us, we want them to say, God, I wish I could work here. Like that is our mission. It's to be so helpful and to give them such a great experience and to, you know, I live in Southwest Colorado. It's beautiful here. How do you want to experience this so that you're in the mountains? You might, you know, you're probably coming from Houston uh, or some other place that doesn't have mountains. And so how do you get that where people say, I love working with you so much. I would actually want to work for you. And that has been something that's really been tangible for my employees. Because they, they do that. Exactly. Right. And they do. And now it's really started to be this. So now it's kind of this competition. Like how fast can we get them to say it? But it's great yeah. because it really they're goes. Proud, in, right? They're, they're, they're bragging, proud. You know, and, and employees want something to brag about. Yes. And the way we take care of them during a crisis is key. Yeah. It's also I'm like we you. have an employee. I don't know what, I, I don't have a term for it. I don't know if it's a promise, a commitment. But it's something I want you know, you know, you to be able to say. We, what we say to our employees is, we want you to make more money here than you ever thought possible. However, at the end of your career, we want you to be able to say the least valuable thing you got from working here was your paycheck. Like yep. that's cool. Right. Yep. And that means we, we, we got to do a lot, right. Way beyond money, you know? Yeah. We want you to be paid really well, but we want you to be a better mother, right. More healthier mentally and physically, um, have relationship building skills that not only, you know, allowed you to make that money, but you know, in all areas of your life, you know? And, and so I think when you start with that and then you work backwards of, well, how, what do we have to do to be able to make her say that of that, you know, well, I made a really good living there. That was the least valuable thing I got. That's where you really start, you know, peeling back what we what we have to bring to them. Yeah, well, you start to tap into the intrinsic motivations in people. And, you know, once we get past the money thing, it is, do I feel a sense of purpose? Do I feel a sense of belonging? Do I believe? All of those things are so much more valuable than than just getting that paycheck. And when you have a person who isn't focused on the paycheck, is focused on, I am here fulfilling my purpose in life and I get to do something I love, how can that not spill out to your customers? Right. Uh, and I think that's what it's so incredibly important. It's why one of the things that we do is we try to help people that's not a good fit, that if it doesn't work, because we're a pretty intense culture. Um, you know, I know every culture says they're unique and, and we certainly have our uniqueness about it, but we're intense and that's not for everybody. And that's okay. 
But if you don't find that passion and that purpose that you're just here because of the golden handcuffs of the paycheck and the employee ownership, it's not going to work. So let's have a mindful transition and go and bring on people who are on board with the mission because that then creates that experience where customers come and say, not only do I want to buy your products and work with you forever, like when you have a job opening, call me. Right. So that's, uh, I think that's really, and I think that's a really important place to start. And I'm glad that you said that because I think a lot of businesses today don't focus on the employee. And it's part of the reason why we're in the situation that we're in where there's just so many disenfranchised people out there because they're, you know, grinding it out with no purpose. And if we can really change that for them as businesses, I think we can change our future. But I will, won't pontificate on that anymore. <laughs> I agree. Totally agree. Thanks for letting me get on my soapbox for a minute. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about your latest in Denver, endeavor. Uh, so you have a, uh, a conference coming up, uh, the Customer Service Revolution. So can you tell us a little bit about it, what started it, when it yeah. is, what you're trying to achieve with it? So every year, um, this is our 12th year, we put on the Customer Service Revolution Conference um, where we bring in, you know, uh, 20 or so speakers, great speakers uh, to Cleveland and, and, um, you know, for two days every fall. And last year we had 700 executives from all over the world um, there and it's great. But obviously this year we had to uh, pivot virtual. So this year, instead of, you know, asking people or expecting people to give up a day, day and a half, two days. We're doing it, uh, airing it every Thursday in October. There's five Thursdays in October, um, Thursday afternoons. And it is uh, for two hours and uh, five different speakers every Thursday. And then they also get a link if for some reason that time doesn't work, they can watch it. But I mean, just so because we were able to go virtual or because we had to, I should say, we were able to get uh, speakers that we could never bring in, you know, like crazy expensive speakers that were more negotiable virtually. So, uh, you know, we have Guy Kawasaki who started Apple uh, with, at Apple with Steve Jobs and Seth Godin and uh, the Ken Blanchard and uh, Tom Bilyeu and Jesse Itzler and Adrian Bankert. And uh, I mean, just, you know, just, I mean, just so many. And so we're just really excited. Uh, we're signed up. I've got myself and three, yeah. four of my team, team members are coming. So we're really excited about it. I am a massive, massive Seth Godin fan. Um, I get his blogs in my inbox every day. And it's like he's speaking right. to me every day. It's like, how did you just know yes. I was dealing with that? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a great light up. How can people uh, learn more about the, Go the, to conference? the customer service revolution? Um, and, uh, it's, it's there, uh, they can, uh, register and, and, um, uh, again, they can get the link if the, if the time doesn't work for them, it's, uh, three to five Eastern time every Thursday. So whatever that translates, I think for you, that is, uh, one to three, I think in mountain time. That's- um, That's correct. West Coast is 12 to 2. So, uh, but again, if that doesn't work, the only thing you'll miss is being able to ask uh, a Seth Godin or one of them a live question. Um, they will be on for when, when they speak for uh, live Q&A at the, at the end. We've really filled the doc. It's so much more than customer service. It's every uh, part of, uh, of business, but we've really brought in experts on mental and physical uh, wellness, because that is so critical today. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait for it. All right, we're getting close to the end of our time together. So I, I'd like to ask my wrap up question. Sure. Uh, so what is what piece of advice would you give for leaders who want to be at the very top of their industry or the very top of their game? How do they do that? You know, I think uh, what works for me is a personal purpose statement. And mine is uh, live an extraordinary life. So countless others do. Okay. So, so now, you know, that's not just a statement. Now I break that down to how and and hold myself accountable. So I don't want to live an extraordinary life. So I have more vacations, houses, cars, bank accounts. I feel that 
we all have the potential, um, you know, we all have potential and unfulfilled potential cheats those around us. Um, it cheats our kids, it cheats our employees, it cheats the thousands of customers we can touch. And so if you, whoever the greats are, um, you know, if it's Walt Disney, um, Nelson Mandela, whoever, um, Ruth, uh, uh, RBG. Yes, of course. (laughs) So, so you take those people and you say, what if they just would have said, ah, screw it. I'm not, I I just want to be ordinary. Right. How different would our world be? And, you know, we are those people um, in our micro worlds. And so, you know, what does it take for me to live an extraordinary life? I mean, it's, 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 it's working out. It's, it's what I eat. It's who I spend time with. It's who I allow, you know, in here uh, to influence me. It's motivation. It's, it's, it's all those things. And, and, and I have a whole report card and, when I'm not living an extraordinary life, and, and trust me, it's more times I'd like to admit, I can go to that and see where I'm, I'm, I'm deficient and I, I have to get back on the track because there's people counting on me. Um, there's people counting on all of us. And, you know, if I eat like crap today and I skip a workout and I have a couple beers with someone who's not a positive influence, I come home and I collapse on the couch and my son wants me to play catch and I, oh, no, I'm just too tired. You know, like, what did I just do to him versus the opposite of, you know, the, the energy and the positivity and all those things. So I don't know. That's 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 my north that um, it, 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 it haunts me in a good way of, of being my measuring stick of how am I living my extraordinary life that I could? I love that answer. And it's like, I paid you to say that Ah. because my very next blog that's coming out is on the, why you need to create your leadership credo and how important it is to refer back to it when you start to feel like you're getting off track because it is your North star. It's that guiding post. So uh, that's why I have a big smile on my face as you're saying that. I was like, I literally just wrote about that. It is. It's uh, it's such an important thing. Great piece of advice. Uh, thank you so much for that. All right. So where can people find you? Uh, Thedjuliusgroup.com. Uh, um, and my email is john at thedjuliusgroup.com. Excellent. All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a fantastic interview. I hope that you enjoyed it as I much did, as I did. Gary, thank you so much. All right. We'll be right back. All right, I'm back. I hope you all enjoyed listening to John as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. Uh, he truly is a wonderful person and uh, and a really great authority. I hope you lot got lots of uh, tidbits on how to create better customer service and, and deeper relationships with not only your customers, but also your loved ones and your employees. If you have guests that you think I should bring on my show, please let me know. You can email me at Carrie. Siggins at StoneAgeTools.com or DM me on LinkedIn. And I'm happy to try to get anybody and everybody on this show. I hope you stay safe. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening.